Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying Increase of Our Reality, I'd really appreciate it if you could drop a review or a rating and I'll give you a shout out on the show. While you're at it, come join the Telegram group and follow the show on Instagram and across social media. If you'd like to support the show, check me out over on Patreon for early access to Increase of Our Reality and Big Dumb Inquiries which is the Swapcast show I co-host with Kyle Rainey of the Big Dumb Podcast. If you'd like to pick up some merch, come check out the merch store. If you want to help me out to upgrade my equipment and pump out even more awesome content for you guys, come donate over on Anchor. Or Kofi. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered, or you feel you have something to contribute to the show, send me an email at increaseofallrealitypodcast at outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the Linktree link to be directed. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate you, and I couldn't be doing this without you. Now enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> this is a deep share inquiries of inquiries of our reality swapcast. So welcome. And I'm here with Shane Jones. What's up, man? How's it going, man? Good, good. Nice to finally meet you, man. Yeah, glad we could finally make this happen after some scheduling conflict like we were talking about before the show. Because, you know, oh, just yeah. normal podcast life that you schedule shit without realizing that there's holidays or family plans. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Guilty of it all the time, man. And, you know, life is always throwing us curveballs and everything. So, yeah, I'm glad we finally got to do this. And it seems like, uh, you know, you were kind of interested in the same realm of things. So I figured we'll just free flow the hell out of this and see where it takes us. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, that works perfect for me. But I like to do one thing, though, that I feel like works pretty good in the beginning of Swapcast. Uh, cool. For people that are listening to my show, they don't normally listen to you sh- your show, you know, give a brief description of your show so that they can come check sure. it out. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. The Deep Share podcast is basically, it's wide open, man. It's it's a deep share. So we're sharing shit about basically any topic. You know, I recently had a friend on that I haven't put out yet. It's all about uh, recovery and addiction and things like that. But then we talk about psychedelics and aliens and psyops and all the rest so i'm all over the place but i'm usually interested in the ancient past symbolism things like that and yeah for my audience as well please shane tell them a little bit about inquiries of our reality um i guess it's pretty fitting to the name it's uh inquiries of our reality so that being said uh every episode is on a different topic and the whole premise of it is pretty much that i'll have different guests come on that do different things that are that are interested in different things and uh, it'll start off kind of interview style where I'll be asking them questions. And then uh, 
it'll kind of turn into just like an open conversation about all the different random things you happen to be talking about. So it kind of goes into like a little bit like how your show is where some conversations get really, really deep mm-hmm. and you'll get into like philosophy or like, uh, you know, like how you think the universe started or just whatever. And just kind right. of just free flows from there, but it's a pretty fun show. I've enjoyed doing it so far and I get to ask all the weird questions that I didn't get to ask when I was just a podcast listener. So <laughs> yeah, man, I spent a lot of time like yelling questions and answers at my radio or my headphones, <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, finally, let's, let's do something about this and join this wonderful community, you know? And so I guess that so being welcoming. said too, what got, what got you started? Like, what was your like inspiring moment to get started? Oh, so a friend and I actually got together and we, we just hadn't hung out in a really long time. And we were both saying things that were just synchronistic and everything was falling into place and i was like dude we should start a podcast something that i had kind of like wanted to do in my head for a while but hadn't really even admitted it to myself it just kind of came out in this conversation and he was all for it and we got together and started doing it a little bit we had two episodes i don't even know if we put any out at that point but it just something in me was it was wrong it wasn't working the right way i love this friend of mine he's awesome uh and I was realizing a lot about myself at that point. Like, shit, if I want to do this, I think I need to do it for myself and on my own and do it my own way because this is going to, I realized how picky I was and how, how badly I needed my voice out there as silly as that sounds. Like I just needed to get it all out of my head the way I needed to. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't going to do that. It wasn't going to work like that with uh, this kind of, comedic silly approach that my friend and I decided to do so I kind of cut ties with that took a little break and then yeah I just started playing around with ideas started talking to Mark Steve shout out to Mark um we I was just kind of like an annoyance like a little fan kind of just like bugging him here and there asking him questions and this and that and eventually I pulled the trigger and uh just started getting really loud on social media before i even had an episode (laughs) (laughs) how about you man how did you get started honestly we have a lot of different connect or things that are similar between the two of us as far as Mm. like why we got started uh my main thing was that i would listen to a lot of podcasts i was not always the most boisterous i guess maybe like around my friends i'd just be talking about conspiracy theories uh different things that i believed in and uh it kind of got to a point where i felt like i was getting quieted so much at work that i couldn't express my opinions at all and I didn't feel that that was right. So I just needed to have a medium in order to voice my frustrations. And I tried a lot of different things to like kind of get my creative end out, I guess, in a sense. So like mm. I used to write poetry for a while. So that kind of led up to me becoming a podcaster too, that I did that. And my one buddy wanted to hear me do it as like rap. So he ended up getting me a microphone, which was actually my microphone up until I just got this one. This will be my third show with this microphone. Nice. Uh, so it was just one of those things that everything kind of fell into place uh, because I had the right stuff to do it at the right time. Like I took my girlfriend's old laptop that she doesn't use and that's what I'm using now. And it's just Sweet. been slow upgrades from there. But like I, I was a listener of uh, my family thinks I'm crazy. And I kind of did the same thing you did where I was kind of like, Hey, uh, I really want to get into podcasting. Uh, do you think it'd be possible if I could like co-host on a show with you or something just so I can kind of get a feel for it. And uh, his response was, I'll have you on as a guest in a few weeks for like the second half of the show. So I kind of saw that as like a call to action where I kind of got the ball rolling on my show. I got three or four episodes down before I went on to his show. So at least somebody had something to go back to. Nice. I've just been running it since like uh, 
release wise, I think I'm only up to like episode 23, but on my mm. computer, I'm up to episode like 48. So, you know, <laughs> nice. I've been getting a lot of work trying to do this podcast thing, especially considering being a father of two also. Like as soon as right. it's nine o'clock, my kids go to bed. That's my podcast time. So I do my editing. I do my shows, all that fun stuff. Cause I feel like it's just, it's a good means to be able to get out what you need to get out. Kind of like you, you were saying too. And it's surprising how many people actually want to hear you say your opinion and it gives you a good front versus just everybody around you quieting you. If you're somebody that's, you know, conspiracy type minded, you know? Oh yeah. It's pretty obvious. Uh, the way you described talking about conspiracy theories and stuff with your friends or maybe at work. Yeah. It's a similar story for sure. I, I, I've kind of left a lot of friends behind in a sense where it's just like, we just don't have much in common anymore. Uh, it's yeah. It's funny. The, the connection to my family thinks I'm crazy was that, fateful episode on tinfoil i heard with mark i'm not sure if it was his first time on there but first time i had heard him when uh him and sam kind of got well sam got a little heated because uh mark or it came across like mark was like defending crowley or something like that but really the whole point being made was that you know there's a lot to this subject crowley was pointing at a lot of things doesn't make him a good person or anything so i loved that and i didn't hear enough of that on tinfoil at the time so i reached out to mark immediately at that point like dude you're awesome thank you so much for your for sharing that opinion and blah 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 and uh yeah it just kind of kicked off from there and and as soon as i realized how accessible that world was this world it just it was like a lightning bolt went off it was just like this is great this is Cause I always wanted to make like films or, or shit. My friends and I had like a fake radio station when we were kids, <laughs> you know? Uh, so it's always been there. And finally it was like, Oh shit, this can be right in my house. No problem whatsoever. And it can go out everywhere. This is so obvious that I need to take advantage of this. And yeah, it was like the fire the fire was lit at that point. Dude. It's surprising too. Cause it's like, you listen to podcasts and you assume that it's somebody sitting in this like fancy studio <laughs> and you know, they have this like high production value. And right. as soon as you become part of the community, you realize it's just a bunch of average people that just have like little home studios and stuff. So it just becomes like a dream that's not unreachable. Yeah. And then once you become part of the community too, it's one of those things that like, if you become established in the community in your own, in a sense that, you know, you just enjoy the things that you experience and the people you get to talk to, it doesn't become like a, like something you have to do in a sense it's more like you would feel weird if you weren't doing it because then you wouldn't have this connection to all of these people that are like-minded so like once you get into it it's like you don't want to get back out just because you finally feel like you found a group of people that actually understand your method of thinking versus just everybody else looking at you like you're crazy you know yeah man it's it's unbelievable it's such such a motivational factor of this where like yeah i i can be super lazy i have you know demons in me that want me to do nothing and put things off to the last minute, all that kind of bad behavior. And I still do it in podcasting, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, any sort of like negative feeling like, well, this isn't fulfilling or, or, oh, it's taking up a lot of personal time or any of those things take a back seat when you consider what we're really a part of here and what all the listeners can and are a part of, you know, uh, it's like, it doesn't matter what we're really talking about. We don't have to have some massive coverage on some specific uh, topic or conspiracy or political move or, or whatever it is. 
it could be people talking about building birdhouses. Like, yeah, that's what I learned to do. And like, it's all about the, the energy between all of us and, and what we're kind of, whatever it is we're working towards. I don't even know collectively what that might be, but obviously on the individual level, we're all kind of, you know, breaking out of the old molds and we're trying to create more than we are uh, just taking in and consuming. And I think that right there really helps. And the more you're in it, yeah, the more people are in it, the more you're motivated by it. It's just a, yeah, it's a snowball effect kind of. I mean, considering how big podcasting is getting to, I think it's one of those things that people are tired of just like the Hollywood construct of entertainment where it's like people just want that more natural, real, like they feel like they're sitting in a conversation listening to a podcast or they're just watching somebody like you're saying build a birdhouse. Like they're tired of that big production value of everything where it's just so commercialized that it's like not even entertaining anymore. They just want that real shit. And that's kind of, I feel like, our group, our community is pushing towards like freedom of speech and like unleashing just truths that need to be talked about. But just podcasting as a whole is just kind of making a whole forefront for, you know, a whole new version of entertainment and just yeah. creators in general. We'll extend that to YouTube and all that kind of stuff too. It just, it's like a new front of entertainment where it's just not all about money and who's the biggest name or whatever. It's just right. more personal tie to it too. Yeah. And the entertainment side of it too, like uh, audio drama is, is huge uh, again, quote unquote. I mean, it's, that's been a thing for like 10, 15 years now and it never really went away, but of course before television, it was the bee's knees and now audio drama seems to be gaining more and more and more popularity uh, so much so that unfortunately there's a lot of garbage corporation stuff going on where like it's, not only are there Hollywood actors kind of uh, suddenly sneaking into the fold and becoming a part of that community, but so many ads and this and that it's, it's, it's a different world. I listen to a lot of fiction and uh, yeah, I watch it become more and more corporatized over time. And it's like, well, we need to corner that shit too. We need to corner all of it. Like Mm -hmm. CG, CGI is possible in our basements too. Like we have the opportunity as a small growing community to really, like you said, kind of take back all of it, like the entertainment side of it altogether, I think. Whereas like, you know, maybe we will eventually be able to get some decent sized budgets together for something crazy on one medium or another. Um, but it's to me, it's more about uh, the voices being heard. And like when you look at Hollywood and the uh, degradation of quality, where I don't know how there was quality before when it, you know, kind of seems like it's always been a psyop. It's always been run. It's always been controlled. But there's an obvious like art form to movie making that is slowly degrade- degradating, in my opinion. And so it's like, you know, if we can kind of rekindle that shit in many different areas of entertainment, I think we're the ones to do it. All of us, you know, I maybe not part of me it. and you specifically, but just the whole community, you know, and what we I mean, inspire. True. I was going to say, I feel like part of it too, as far as like the, the Hollywood aspect goes, is that they try to make everything for everyone. And there's not really anything that's really like that without just kind of washing it out and kind of pulling away from the message where when you have things like for like podcasting or YouTube and all that, it's like you have specific content for specific types of people. So people enjoy that. It's something that has their views, all of the things they enjoy rather than it just being something that's just all around for everybody. 
Right. Um, yeah. Because then you get in trouble with, well, I don't want to say get in trouble, but then you have like the whole virtue signaling aspect where it's like, all right, we're going to do this movie, but we have to have a gay couple. We have to have a transsexual person in it. We have to have this. We have to have that. And then when you start adding all these other components, you kind of start losing the interest of just like the standard family, you know, and it's like they don't want to be washed with all that. Like the standard family, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with anybody that's any part of those communities, but like the standard American family is just kind of tired of seeing every single commercial. There's not even a normal couple in it anymore. Oh, that's yeah. kind of what's happening with Hollywood, too. So it's well, it, feels, nice. it feels forced, you know, it's yeah. like, I'm all for living however you want to live and loving whoever you want to love. And obviously a lot of us agree with that and completely disagree with what's going on out there. And it's just, it's so blatant and, you know, it's great to see people in those marginalized communities speak out too and go, yeah, I don't like this either. And I'm the targeted group here. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's like anybody in this community, dude, doesn't have any problem with anybody that's any part of those communities. The main problem that we face right now is as far as it getting pushed on like the kids, because kids don't even know how their body parts work, let alone want to switch genders at the age of three or something like that. And there's a lot of people in that community that are also kind of saying, whoa, whoa, this is enough now, because it's just like a one percent of that group that's pushing that message. And it goes down to the virtue signaling thing again, where it's like if everybody doesn't agree Uh, they feel like they're a piece of shit. So people like listening to podcasts like ours, for example, because, you know, people have a voice that's against the the popular opinion. And it's like refreshing to hear that somebody is actually willing to voice their opinion on no matter what it is, even if you don't agree with it. It's just refreshing to hear people be able to voice the things they need to say versus just it being covered up by everybody in society going to point the finger at them and tell them they're an awful person if they don't agree with everything that's going on, you know? Yeah. And on one side or the other, when it comes to the political field, you know, left or right, it really it's it's all it's funny how even now, after everything humanity has seen uh, people like us who will say something like, well, I don't play for either one of those crazy teams left or right or whatever. They they there's this this uh, almost like disgust in a lot of people's uh, response to that. Where it's almost like, oh, you're not even playing our game. Oh, go sit on the sidelines then. And it's it's weird how it's like, yeah, but no, you don't see the farce that is your game. Like, come on. It's 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 so bizarre that after everything, the red versus blue, the this versus that, the 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 Hegelian dialectic as, as a whole is still so easily played in society. It's very bizarre that we're that easily led. It's unfortunate. Yeah. It's because everybody thinks there's only two sides to pick from. They don't want to see that there's truth in the middle. That's usually what I say is that like one, one side has crazy beliefs. They have some realistic beliefs. The other side has some crazy beliefs. They have some realistic beliefs too, but it's like, you have to meet in the middle. Cause that's the only place you're really going to find equal ground and understanding and not go too far either way. Cause the right. way I kind of look at the current political system is that it's like a circle where it's like, you go so far the other way that you start wrapping back around and then both sides end up becoming the same again. Cause they're both pushing the same shit. They're just doing it in two different ways and two different wordings. So you feel like there's two different sides, even though it's all the same thing. Exactly. It's just two sheep dogs from one and they look different and they're on two ends of the field and they're just shepherding the sheep in two different ways to the same pen. You know, it's, it's so it's sad how obvious it is and how they still can get away with it. But I think it's just a sign that as a society, as a whole, as a a humanity itself, we're not there yet. You Mm -hmm. know, there's not enough people that are 
Uh, and it's not about being awake or asleep. Those are pretty extreme terms because I think it's a gradient. We're all waking up, you know, forever while we're here. Um, but it's more of a honesty with their self, with themselves. And when you think about that, you can tie that to psychological abuses throughout life and, and different traumas that people have experienced. And it's, I often wonder, and I wonder what you think. Do you think we will ever come to this point where everyone is quote unquote awake or quote unquote aware of what's going on or whatever, or at least in that state of mind where they're ready to open up and question it? Because to me, it seems like everyone's on a different timeline in a sense. So will that ever be complete across the planet? What do you think? I think that it's kind of one of those things where it's like now is probably a time where there's more people that, for lack of a better word, are awake more so than ever. Um, but like you were saying, it's like everybody has different life experiences. Everybody interprets things differently. Everybody has a different perspective. So I think it's never going to be one of those things where everybody's on the same page because there's just way too many people in the world for that to be a possibility. But right. the hope is that at least like the percentage will be higher of people that are aware of things versus not aware of things where it'll kind of, I don't know, not want to say overpower, but for lack of a better word, overpower the side that isn't awake to things where maybe not in like a forced way, because I'm not one of those people that thinks you should force your opinion on somebody that isn't curious of it, but maybe they'll start waking up to things once there's enough people that are out there and talking about everything. Mm. And after COVID, I feel like it's one of those things where at least a good, I'm just, off the top of my head from a guess, hopefully like at least 90% of people have at least questioned one thing with the COVID narrative, because at least that's like a start to the window to starting to realize that there's a lot more going on than what people realize. Right. And as soon as you start digging into that, like I thought I dug into stuff. And then once I got into this community, it was like a whole other level of digging into stuff. So it's mm. just like, there's layers of it. Kind of like you were saying too, where it, if you can at least scratch the surface and start entertaining the ideas, then that's that's a win in my book because then at least people will be open to hearing the concept and at least take the information for what it is and they can form their own opinion based on it. Yeah, it's less about getting the group that's gung-ho about the JFK assassination to agree with the interdimensional alien group of people. You know, it's not necessarily about having everybody come to a bottleneck and maybe finding one answer to everything altogether. I think it's more like we got to find what that common ground is, what what that's called. What's a good word for it? You know, uh, awake is, of course, the typical one, you know, but it's like who's like kind of got stolen by wake wokeism, though. Of course, like, I feel like there's like a know, whole we've been kind of using so. red pill, but I feel like right. there needs to be a better term than that, because even red pill is just kind of like too far out there of a sounding concept for just like the average person that's trying to understand things, you know. And it's also a very Hegelian dialectic, honestly. You get the blue pill, red pill, and it's like, well, I wonder what could this red pill be used for to quote unquote their benefit, you know, like what if this idea that, you know, we're all waking up at different times and we all come to our own conclusions about these things, you know, we're we're both awake, but we probably have different views on specific conspiracy theories. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, maybe they're hoping that the cognitive cognitive dissonance will just be so immense that there will be no great formation of these awake people. It'll just be scattered chaos. And that's just as good if we're trying to bring down the Western world. You know I what mean, I mean? 
that does make sense too because i feel like there's a lot of stuff thrown out in the conspiracy community that'll cause i don't want to say infighting but just like oh, people yeah. that are arguing amongst the group when it's like oh, all right yeah. just look at the broader picture like i always use this one as an example like flat earth versus globe took Both it out of my mouth man that nasa's NASA's the one that's lying. So rather than arguing with each other, why don't you guys both go start going after NASA? Bingo. That's dude. That's exactly my thoughts, man. Uh, It's like, I don't trust NASA at all, but as above, so below a lot of my psychedelic experiences, these, a lot of these concepts kind of are thrown in the face of flat earth. And it's like, I don't know about, about all that, you know, especially the trusting our five senses over everything else. It's like, well, one trip on mushrooms told me not to do that ever again. So what are we really talking about here? You know? Oh yeah. yeah, That's a great example. (laughs) Hell yeah, we can. I would love to, Uh, but back to the, that cognitive dissonance thing. It's like, yeah, the flat earth versus round earth. Like that is not what's important whatsoever. If the conclusion can be the same, that they're hiding our power from us, or that's the theme in both scenarios, then yeah, throw out the shape for now. Let's not worry about that until we're running the rockets. We can get up there. We can do that. And everybody else is in jail or something, you know? Yeah. See, like I'm down for entertaining theories on both sides, but it's like, stop fighting about it and like start going after the actual enemy here. Like, honestly. And even I mean, just like another one, like Tartaria, for example, like you mm. got one side that fully believes in it and one side that fully doesn't. So rather than fighting about that, why doesn't the one side that believes in it find more facts to prove it? And then the other side, rather than arguing with them about it, they can dig into the other ancient history that they feel is not even ancient, I guess, that's not even that long ago, but the other history they feel is being hidden and then join together again as a group to expose hidden history rather than just fighting about this one specific topic in hidden history. Yeah. It's, it's difficult because I mean, I think, and I can include myself in this, that when you dig into these different theories about the ancient past or just the past in general, um, each different perspective, each different conspiracy, if you will, can really take the plot for a ride in a very different direction. And I think that's an angle that that's important to discuss because it's like, you know, if we're if like, for instance, Millennial Kingdom, uh, for those who aren't familiar, that is a rabbit hole on its own that needs to definitely should be uh, you should check out Godcast. Uh, Emmanuel does a great series on the Millennial Kingdom of Christ. And it's uh, all about America being kind of the the Garden of Eden and Atlantis and and all of these things. It's very different from a lot of other alternative history theories. And it seems to me like a lot of these different ones have a certain amount of weight to them that can keep anybody that's open minded or even grounded, you know, paying attention to each of these going, well, how how the hell do all of these make at least a little bit of sense? but they can't all exist simultaneously. It's See, crazy. Where, it makes me wonder too, if there's certain things that have just been thrown out um, just as like a test to see what you can and can't create or destroy from their being on the internet. Like I haven't done too much in the Tartaria, but um, like, I'd love to see people have like solid written down old books that are dated about certain right. things. Cause I feel like there's a lot of stuff that people use that are photos off the internet, uh, different maps off the internet. So again, it could just be another like thing where it's like rather than having the truth community actually speak out and be able to actually get their message across and do something big, uh, they're creating 
just little things that everybody starts chasing around and they could be completely altering the internet. Like they alter definitions to words constantly. Right. If you look up old definitions and you can't find them. It could be the same thing with Tartaria. It could just be an all around government internet ploy just to see what they can and can't create. I totally agree. Uh, Tartaria is a really interesting topic because I mean, I've been talking off and on about Tartaria and trying to learn about it since maybe like episode seven of my podcast. I think, I think I had, Ari Asselin on and we we brought up Tartaria a little bit there and that's what kind of wet my whistle and got me interested in it but it's so weird because from what I've heard that certain parts of the world already know about it and it's never been shrouded by anything it's always been a part of their history books things like that but I wonder you know what we're attaching to it to whatever this was, this Tartaria, this Tartarus, maybe it wasn't what we're even presented now as alternative history. You know, I'm, I'm really not sure, but it's weird. And you brought up the fact that we don't have a lot of good sources for it. A lot of times we're seeing shit. That's like a book that was literally made from stuff found on the internet, like a year before I'm like looking up this author and I'm finding them on Amazon and it's just these like screenshots and stuff like, and badly formed sentences. And I'm like, this ain't helping anybody. You know, it's, it's weird. It seems a little bit like a psyop sometimes, uh, but I don't know what for, you know, like I said, it could just be to throw off the community because rather than everybody teaming up and, you know, speaking the message and making it so the world can change because people start seeing through all the bullshit, we're just too busy chasing these rabbit holes that don't lead to anywhere, but they seem like endless rabbit holes because they can just keep throwing out another little piece every couple months. And then it starts a whole new thing where everybody's talking about that again. So it's kind of pulling the attention away from the big picture and bringing it back into this other picture that they're trying to, because I mean, honestly, dude, they have, our community, if they're looking out for any group of people, I feel like we'd be the ones because Absolutely. we're like the new age pirate radio in a sense. They so talk like, to us so much more than they talk to the general public. In my yeah. opinion, it's symbolism, messaging, all that. It's all, it's a lot of it's for us who are paying too much attention. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's done on purpose. So then at a certain point, it makes me wonder like how much of it's done on purpose again, just to tail people off or they're chasing something else instead of what the actual thing is that they're trying to distract you from. It's just right. going back to that magician's trick, the whole, Hey, look over here while they're actually doing something over here, you know? Yeah. And, and it gets into like human psychology. Like you got to look at these people and try to put yourself in human situations, you know, forget the reptilian thing, hold off from on that and just see if you can kind of like diagnose behaviors and, and go, okay, well, if they're covering this up by th giving us this, this, and this, well, this over here is really creative. Are, are we sure that we're making this up just as a psyop? It's, it's, you got to like put yourself in their shoes. Like how many hoops are you going to jump through to remember all your psyops? It's, it's insane, you know? And the idea that so many people are involved necessarily is also kind of weird when they kind of want to automate everything. So this system seems to, it would only work so well if it was like somehow flawless and, and not too many cooks in the kitchen of some kind you know what i mean it's weird but i mean but, it um, might be like one of those organizations though where it's like not everybody has every piece of the puzzle like the very yeah. very top has pieces of the puzzle and all these politicians that we're looking at like they could be like the real enemy they might only be a very very small cog in a bigger system right kind of like how the whole like freemason lodge works uh from how i've been explained to it is that it's like anybody can join everybody's base level they basically don't understand shit 
And as you rise through the ranks and you get to the top, it's like there's like four people on top that have all the knowledge and everybody else just has little pieces of the knowledge. And they act on it thinking that they know everything. But realistically, once they get the next step higher, they realize that they didn't know shit and that they were doing something they didn't even realize they were working at. So it's like, I feel like the cogs are being played way more intricately than people are even expecting that they are. Let's get real weird. Let's get psychedelic because uh, in a lot of ways, you described that perfectly, by the way, like that, that is how masonry is set up. And I, it's interesting to note that reality seems to be as well. Mm-hmm. where we're always spiraling back around to old ideas. If we're paying attention, if we are an initiate of reality where we are paying attention, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're always circling back around and seeing things from new perspectives and going, oh man, I was an asshole. I should have shut my mouth because I didn't know what I was talking about. It's always that next level that makes you see the clearer picture from where you were before. And I'm not sure if they exploit this in Freemasonry, but just off the top of my head, it kind of feels like there's such an important lesson in that. And I talk about fractals a lot. I talk about, uh, you know, uh, sacred geometry and how it's kind of the structure of our, of our whole, of our whole reality. And it's, that is the fractal. It's, it's us spiraling back around and, you know, from a larger, broader perspective, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that, too. I've always had this fascination with spirals because I feel like they definitely, like, describe the way things work, mm. where even just, like, life in general, where it started off where it was, like, a slow pace, so it was, like, the outside of the circle, and now we're starting to spiral towards the inside as time seems like it's speeding up, and then you can kind of connect, like, spirals as going into, like, I guess, interdimensional-type concepts where, you know, maybe time is moving faster, And that's why everything seems like it's moving faster. It's not just like how you imagine it, but it's also just that everything else is speeding up. So that's also could be like with all these weird agendas that are happening, like COVID and then all the other things that have come after. It's like, again, even that's spiraling and progressing faster and continuing. And uh, it's, we're just connecting dots because again, we see the repeating patterns. Like I always like to mention that on my show that people look at conspiracy theorists, like we're trying to like guess the future, but it's not like that. We're just, looking at old patterns and putting them up against things that are happening, happening currently and just connecting dots uh, off of past events. Yeah. Oddly enough, just the way detectives do it, just the way any human being does anything that they're interested in looking into and learning more about Like that's, we're, we're doing such normal work here. It's not necessarily anything crazy. It's just going, Oh, look, that keeps happening. I bet it's going to happen again. Oh shit. It did. You know, it's, it's, it ain't magic, but you know, it's interesting that you, you mentioned this time speeding up because my wife and I keep bringing that up because it seems to more and more examples keep happening or memories that man, that felt forever ago, or man, that was like five seconds ago. And that was yeah. actually something that I came up on from psychedelics. Also, I just wanted to throw mm, that in there. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. And my God, we can definitely go into some, my man, I've had some weird time experiences with psychedelics for sure. Um, but what I was going to say was maybe in the same way that the more we uncover scientifically about the world, uh, for me, I don't think it, it takes the magic out of uh, magic, but I think it, it just gives it more dimensionality. You know, it's like, okay, well, this can be explained within physics. That would make sense considering we're in a physical world. Like, great. That's cool. Like all the 
crazy frequency shit we're figuring out. We can map all these different amazing things with computers now and see auras and, you know, all this cutting edge science. It's kind of combining spirituality with it and everything. Maybe as time speeds up, wouldn't if manifestation is real, that would speed up. So in that case, everything would look real fucking magical eventually, wouldn't it? I mean, it's still kind of getting like that, honestly. Right. Like, even just like in my normal everyday life, like I just started my podcast like three months ago now. Boom. And it's just like the progress has just been crazy fast compared to what I feel like most other things have happened with in life. And just same with just all the different event, like current events happening. It's just like one after the other directly. And it's just like this, like every, like everything feels like it's going faster. And kind of like you were saying too, as far as like memories and stuff like that go, it just seems like the past is so distant now and almost like it didn't happen. And just, I almost feel like it's one of those things where as everything spirals and goes faster, maybe it's a continuous thing that has happened through humanity since the beginning of time where we talk about all these great cataclysms that happen. Maybe it was something that, you know, we started off slow. Everything was kind of going good. Then we started figuring things out. So it started speeding up because humans just have that natural draw to just want to keep learning and learning and learning. And then we get to a point where it's almost like, the singularity point where it's like you know everything and everything's already happened and then at that point it's like civilization has to restart again in order for there to be a need for civilization because the need for civilization is to be able to explore because if we already know everything like there's no purpose to it Dude. so it could be completely intentional that maybe like events happen or people purposely will restart things because it needs to get restarted because there's no point to life if you don't have things to explore as far as being human goes yeah, man. Uh, I I often say that, like, you know, if one of us conspiracy theorists finally gets to the guy in charge, we're going to end up going, oh, shit. So it has to be this way. Damn. Because it's like it kind of feels that way where it's just like we're in this perpetual motion moving towards something that is inevitable. And maybe that's why we can never figure out what the secret societies are really talking about, because this thing that they're talking about is like you can't give up the ghost if you tell people it ruins everything you know i mean and it's funny too that the ufo community the the talking heads in the government that supposedly more know more than we do all the time they're always saying shit like that like oh if humanity knew it would be it's weirder than you guys can ever imagine stop thinking about ufos and little green men it's so much weirder it would shatter your minds blah, blah. like that's the talk those are the talking points usually so to me it's like yeah we're not dealing with aliens we're dealing with like our own reflection like god consciousness like as the singularity is coming closer as this thing is getting closer it does seem to be more present time speeding up it, this presence of, of aliens or whatever it is, it's kind of like it's the, the sacred other. And this would be a great in, lead in to the psychedelics because that sacred other I've come in contact with many times, different forms, different, you know, feelings, but it all seems to be very final, very unquestionable. And it's like, um, as soon as you get close to it, as soon as you understand what's going on for me, it was like, uh, it was like a trick. It was like my, this entity or essence was just like, Nope, you don't get to remember that. And other times it was like, Oh, you're not supposed to be here. You ruined the surprise. You opened all your Christmas presents before Christmas day or, you know, that's what it felt like. So in a way, maybe on the physical plane, 
as above, so below as, you know, so below whatever, maybe it echoes out like that. Maybe that's why we go through resets in some way. Like if we know everything, there's utter endless despair or something. Well, that made me think of a theory. And then I have another theory that I've been thinking about that I want to share with you too. So the whole VR thing, and they're kind of pushing like the, you know, going into like the metaverse idea. So like if everybody became aware of things, what if there was theoretically multiple points in time where we were advanced enough to create something like that? So then we could be a simulation inside a simulation inside a simulation where once we get to that point where everything gets to that singularity point, their way of restarting it is to basically put everybody inside this universe that's inside of another universe. Oh, interesting. And then oh, that connects trip. connects into my other one, that, that my other theory that I've been thinking about too, that I want to share with you. So you, when people have near-death experiences, there are a good handful of people that talk about how they're in a void, but they still feel conscious, right? Right. So going back to the beginning of like the Bible, for example, and a lot of different biblical books, they say that there was a void and that things were created from that. So this is just an idea I haven't been entertaining, but like, what if this person that we perceive as God may have just been just a normal person inside of another universe. And when they passed away, they were in that void and in that void, they learned how to create. So they created this other reality that's inside of that. And then just off of that, you could kind of possibly connect multiverses with like the Bible mm. that maybe we're in a multiverse inside a multiverse. And every single time somebody passes away, and they figure out how to create inside of that void, that could be another universe. And that could be what people perceive as heaven is the ability to create a universe all on your own. And then that's where the infinite possibilities of different multiverses come from is that after a time somebody dies, they have a possibility of creating their own multiverse. That's intense, dude. That That's beautiful. And it, again, it mimics nature, you know, it, it life feeds on life. It's all everlasting here. Um, that's, that's an interesting point, man. I had an interesting theory about simulations inside of simulations too, that maybe will fire some, some neurons. Uh, think about these light beings that always seem to come to all the ancient cultures. Now, of course, I, if I go down box saga, that's all humans, it's all human history and I'm okay with most of that. But I do think there's a way in which the elites like to twist things with history turning into mythology, but also mixed with that inner uh, experience of, of what real God is and all that. You know, they mix the two so we can't really let go of it and this and that. But what I was going with is that what if these angels that come to us with messages always from the past, what if it's the creator of that simulation that has to, there's got to be some initiatory information given to that smaller simulation. Otherwise it won't work or something like that. A question has to be posed or maybe a, a, a mysterious like a answer. System. Yeah. Something that needs to be put in from the previous one. And we're, and the, it's funny because the simulation you're in under this theory you're always trying to get back to that previous one because you're always trying to go to where the light beings are. You're trying to get to that creator source. And if it's infinite and if it's fractal, that ah, man, that's a lot to think about. <laughs> but see, like we're looking at it from like our standpoint of what we see it as uh, like a simulation would be, but right. that doesn't Computers mean that it, and shit. Yeah, it works that way for anything else. Like the universe before ours could be an all light universe. 
and then something that was in this universe created like our method of thinking our universe so it's like it doesn't mean that everything has been built up from the same components like it could be a completely new components because if you're just in a void and you learn how to create inside that void you can create with anything so somebody right. could theoretically create with things of light somebody could create create with uh like carbon-based beings like a we are denser um, material yeah yeah just totally different material there could be one that everybody created stuff out of rock and maybe like the universe before ours was one like that and maybe that's why we have these remnants of things that are all ancient rock is maybe it was like memories that that creator being had of their past universe that you know almost like a dream like the dream sequence idea where you just have random objects thrown off in the distance right kind of like that kind of a concept where it's just like these very important memories that the creator had from their last universe that kind of got thrown into this universe you know dude i like that idea I, I often use the sandbox video game comparison to that where it's like you know in a sandbox video game you can kind of create and destroy whatever you want i play a game called teardown with my kid where we just literally take bulldozers and destroy buildings and stuff it's fun <laughs> but you can like destroy everything and then just kind of rebuild but every once in a while i'll find like an old pile of pieces from an old building that we had destroyed a long ago. You know, it's if you play on the same map and save it. So it's like, and that's, I've had that thought before where it's like, maybe God's just has this sandbox and he's playing in it and Oh shit. I left crap behind from the last time. Oh, that's going to confuse the fuck out of these people. You know, it's have weird. you ever seen a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy before? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It could be that whole concept. Maybe like, our world could have been constructed from somebody that paid for it so that they could experiment or they could live on their own reality. You know, there could right. be something like that where it's just like, say not like a factory, but in a way like a factory that just creates worlds that fit whatever the need is of the creature or whatever the hell happened to want that world built. And that could again, explain why like we aren't seeing a bunch of crazy things off in space and everything like that is because it could just be like, we're, in our own sandbox you know where there's not anything outside of this like say like our galaxy or whatever or our solar system like we see stuff past that but it could almost be like you know the back walls of like video games like you can see universes off in the distance but it doesn't mean you can actually go there because it's not created like that it's more right. just like a like a background image you know i'm almost wondering if the sandbox itself like exists on like this constant level of consciousness where this is obviously temporary and so this is again back to that like our theories confusing physical for spiritual. I, I think we do that a lot where like think about flat earth. There's a lot of weird shit that would maybe allude to flat earth in some ways. I mean, obviously there's people on both sides, but I wonder if this flat plane versus round thing has something to do with some, I don't know, phase of conscious existence or something in the mind or you know beyond the mind per se maybe that flatness that endless flat plane exists but it's not here on this ball i don't know that's a weird one but kind of a weird concept i was thinking of so most of the flat earth stuff that people have for their argument with that come from like the bible for example right so just like a video game you have the original version and as time goes on if there's an outside source updating it like the maps change dude so like what if the idea of like when the earth was flat and we had all these ideas maybe it was like that and if there is an outside creator being then now they've just updated the system into something totally different you know but it's mm. kind of like a video game like the characters that are in the game 
don't notice the difference unless they're aware of the difference happening. Like if you're just in it and it gradually changes, you're not going to notice the difference. And this kind of goes to a little bit of dangerous territory when it comes to the conspiracy world, because it's kind of cut down the middle in a certain way when it comes to the idea behind Gnosticism and Hermeticism and all these old ideas of being God. Because, of course, to a large contingency in our community, that's absolute blasphemy, not even necessarily just Christians, but people that know that Christian stories have a lot of, you know, allegory to them. They obviously allude to deep truths from older times. So it's like, all right, well, what is this that, we're, you know, where we're not supposed to, to do that? You know, I don't know it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, like going back into my theory too, like if you were creating inside of a void and you got bored inside that void, you theoretically could split your consciousness into a bunch of different people. And that could be where the whole concept comes from that, you know, we're all God in a way is because maybe we're all part of the same consciousness because it's kind of like, you know, you create the game and you're not just going to want to sit there and spectate forever. Mm. Like, and if you're an infinite being that you could create an entire universe, you could easily split yourself between a bunch of different, different things. And that could be just like for the sake of entertainment to that one thing that's living in a void, you know? Yeah. What about want to see different perspectives of different things and they create fighting just for the sake of entertainment. The same reason people play like a war game, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And where's God's hubris, right? I mean, we can't, (laughs) can't call him out for, for being God, but like, yeah, I think it's uh it's something in my opinion, it's something that has been told to us that so that we refuse our power, you know, it's interesting because I I think it also comes from a confusion about God again, because we have these physical histories that are given to us mixed in with this very emotional connection to religion and God and the afterlife and the one thing everybody's afraid of. So it's easy to just, even on deep psychedelic levels, giving it away to a singular being rather than recognizing that whatever that being represents that you're talking about is more of an energy system that Mm -hmm. flows through everything and is everything. That's the hard part that we can't get around that whole one consciousness thing. And I think it flies in the face of even people that say it, you know, we're all one consciousness, but after I leave this mortal coil, I'm going to be a superhero in multiple dimensions. It's like, no, no, no. You're going to return to that one. You're not going to exist. The person telling this psychedelic story or this near, well, the near death experience is a little, uh, I don't know. But, you know, all these stories of this higher self, I think it's all, I I think it's like an urban legend. I think we're all describing some truth, but we're all using our own subjective experience to get there. And it it ain't going to work that way. No, I I definitely agree with that too. And uh, I actually, I have this other theory that I feel like you might enjoy that I've been Mm. kind of working on that kind of fits into what we're talking about too. Sweet. Uh, Talking about gods, like, okay, so if we make AI, that would mean that like, God, AI would perceive us as gods. So like just throwing Anunnaki into the mix, like if Anunnaki created us, that means that we'd be viewing Anunnaki as God. So yeah. that it still means that there's something above them that they perceive as gods, which would just have been normal people in their perspective, but they created this new race. So all of a sudden they're gods to them. So yeah. then what I've expanded this idea to is like, where does that chain stop to get to the end? Or if time's not linear, does the first thing create the last thing? And then that's where it's kind of like a life cycle and it just continues in a circle as the first thing creates the last. Cause there was actually a line from the Bible. I'll have to 
I said it on another podcast, but it pretty much said something along the lines of like, I am the beginning and the end or something oh, like yeah. that. It was near the end of the Bible. But I mean, that would make sense with that phrasing that there's just this little hidden things uh, that could be hidden inside of like religious books that are all talking about the same concept, but just from different perspectives. You have to like stand back and look at it. And even just going into like reincarnation also off of what you said, um, like even if my idea with like, like maybe that there was like a bigger consciousness that was able to create and that's what created this world. But if we're all splits of his consciousness, maybe we or hit or hers, whatever it was, if maybe we can't create another world within our consciousness because we're all part of that consciousness. So we just get recycled. And that's where the whole reincarnation thing comes from, because then it's it's all one consciousness living in the same universe. It's just restarting as one dies. And that's why, again, it's more like a game where it's like respawn, start a new life. Right. And they're just doing wars and whatever and what just anything just is for the sake of like entertainment and just being able to understand any perspective of anything like in like an internal computer you know yeah i mean i can't remember what culture it was but there's a concept where um it's it's proposed that reality could just be a a small child or a baby playing with different colored balls because each color feels different gives a different reaction and like so you just take that and put it to kind of what you're saying. It's more like take the baby out of the equation, keep the childlike wonder, and consider God is like one of us in one of these ecstatic experiences where he doesn't know how he got here. He doesn't know why he's here or what he's doing here, but it's happening and he doesn't know why or how it's happening, but he's able to be a part of it or he is it. It's it folds in on itself. But again, that's kind of like a return to the one. And we're talking about this idea of like simulations within simulations. We can also kind of talk about it as like division, like in the Egyptian book of the dead, how um, it basically shows the universe as like a mathematical expansion. It's like, I am one. Now I see myself as two. Now I am four and it, it multiplies outward, but I, if we're keeping with this one consciousness beyond the veil idea, it's more of a division, less of a multiplication, right? It's mm -hmm. more like there, he, this one thing is dividing itself outward. So if we were to create multiple simulations and just say like the next one is this computer one that we understand and that we would create, it's almost like, Reality itself is that big fractal picture where there's many, many, many copies of itself happening over and over again with small deviations on every scale. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to breathe out with all these different levels and then breathe back in and come back to ourself, I guess. That kind of goes into the Big Bang Theory, too, that everything the, the big crunch possibly to come back. Possibly. Yeah. And what's, and of course we would lump these, these scientists in with the narrative, the elite idea is that, Oh no, no, everything's just expanding forever and ever. Everything's speeding up as it gets further away. Eventually no lights will reach one another and everything will fade into darkness. And they even have this, like, I mean, do yourself a favor. If you're stoned sometime, great YouTube video of a time-lapse CGI time-lapse of what's going to happen you know, into darkness of the entire universe, cosmic darkness. And it's depressing. And I think it's kind of silly, honestly, I really do. But I mean, that's just my take from my psychedelic experiences that kind of led me to think, yes, I think it would crunch eventually. I think it would breathe back in, in a way. 
but man, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, going into the whole psychedelic concept too, maybe like if, okay. So if, if like, um, like you're looking at like VR, for example, and there would be a VR that would like know where things are in the room, right? It would do like a scan of the room to kind of get an idea of where everything's at to make sure you don't run into things, for example. Yeah. Like what if that's already happened and we're in type of, in some type of simulation. And when you take like psychedelics, maybe you start seeing like what the world is actually mapped on outside of that. Mm. And that's why there's been such a push for like DMT, which is like one of the least harmful drugs to be like one of the top scheduled drugs is because they know that that's like a direct wire way to just like see outside of this organic simulation that we're in and see directly what's on the outside of it. And that's why, like you were saying earlier, when you have these experiences and they're like, Hey, why are you here? You're not supposed to see this yet. Stop (laughs) looking behind the curtain. Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to be back there. (laughs) It felt like that a lot, but it also felt like, uh, there was a lot of remembrance. It was the like my first big trip decades ago was like the most beautiful experience ever because I felt like, like a very old man looking back on a lifetime of memories that I had forgotten about. But yeah, like it, it almost was... feels like something that you knew at one point, even when you've absolutely done it the first time. It just seems so familiar. Yes, everything feels like it's right outside your peripheral and you just weren't looking at it all along. Like a lot of times I compare it to very like traditional psychedelic artwork that you see. It's very fractal, even if it's not literal fractals like mathematics. It's, you know, every image that's painted, there's multiple layers. You know, you can kind of connect that with like the imagery behind auras, how it's like echoes of the person's head in some ways. Um, What I saw was that every normal piece of reality that I was used to was just much more amazing than I ever gave it credit for. Uh, There was it was like I had seen 10 percent of it. Like reality itself was only, I had, you know, my eye slits open barely or something. So it never felt like I left. It never felt like somewhere else. DMT on the other hand can have that effect where literally you're transported out of your physical area. It's, it's a weird difference for sure, but again, natural. And I wonder how simulated this, this uh, situation is. It's like, it's clearly simulated. But I think I wonder what you think of this, where where's the separation between what is like, I don't know if nefarious is the right word, but intentionally um, simulated without our knowledge versus like maybe it's always been us simulating it, you know, whereas like, uh, you know, you think about a lot of the things that you find in recovery or you just find meditating or reading Hinduism and Buddhism and things like that. There's a focus on the self. There's a focus on stop blaming everything out there and return to yourself. And I, I got that heavily in psychedelics where like, yeah, all of, none of this was, was like someone else's doing. This is all in here. This is all you. And so I wonder if, if that's a connection where like we're simulating all of this. I mean, that could be part of it, too. It could almost be like a video game in the sense, too, that there's like the definite storyline that has to get played. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the sidebar storylines where you can kind of pick your own path. And then that's where the idea of like free will kind of comes in, is that there's these things that have been programmed to be set in motion that are going to happen no matter what. Right. And then there's all these little like side ventures that you can also do. And that's where people think that everything is, is within those side ventures. And 
they don't realize that there's like this main path that is things that are going to happen indefinitely. And you kind of see that with psychedelics too, that you kind of just have this feeling that there's just things that are intended to happen. And then there's things that have happened because you've made them happen. And yes. even so, like going into mani manifesting, if we're all part of like a bigger consciousness or all po have the possibility to be creators within our own void when we pass away. Um, like it's just kind of working towards like figuring out how the operation works and how you can manifest to make things happen and you can control the, the computer program all on your own from yourself but i don't like using the term computer program so i'm going to go back on that because i feel like you <laughs> lose a lot of people when you talk about simulation theory and you talk about computers i try to talk about it from like a more organic build up so it's just more probable to me in that sense that it's not like technology like how we understand it it's some type me of too. Like organic build like the whole magic rocks kind of concept going into like stonehenge for example and shit it's just stuff that's i'm sure that there's a good way of describing it but from our perspective on how we understand things like that doesn't make sense to us because we're looking at everything from a technology electronic type standpoint you know? yeah that's always my thing where you listen to like kurtzweil or any of these people pushing you know that kind of idea where it's like we must be in a giant computer and it's like well that destroys the idea of as above so below in a sense where it's like i'm sure people could latch on to as above so below for that excuse but it's like it doesn't fit because the next level up wouldn't be recognizable to us it would be completely infathomable which is what you're kind of getting at this organic situation it's more like you know it's closer to spirituality than anything else it's not like technology at all but don't we often mimic what's going on cognitively with the brain consciousness spirit god into the world like every one of our tasks like we're just a reflection of what's happening internally anyway so it's mm -hmm. all like you know if they create a simulation coming up then yeah maybe there's nefariousness involved in that there here and there but that main storyline you're talking about is that this it's needed is for inevitable. the storyline yeah yes, you have to have bad inevitable. things in order to have good things happen otherwise Absolutely. everything's just going to be neutral so it's again part of the storyline that you have to have bad in order for there to be a fight and then it goes back into that like if there's no fight and everything's neutral like there's no purpose to life like life yeah. needs a reason to progress you know yeah gaining knowledge is a fight it's a battle it's a it, it's like it's the the ultimate hero's journey in my opinion like looking at joseph campbell's stuff where the hero's journey is that consciousness discovering itself you know mm -hmm. it's a it's a battle for sure and that could be what it is maybe like there was like a being that was trying to understand consciousness so maybe like this was its own version of trying to understand consciousness was to be able to split itself up and try to understand consciousness from a million different perspectives all at once yeah like kind of an out there trippy concept but like i'm sure that if there's a bigger power of the universe and they're a thing they're probably still wondering the same questions of like how did i get here why am i here so maybe their variation to it was being able to split a million times and see something from a million different perspectives all at once which is unfathomable and uncomprehensible like from our perspective because that's just way beyond our capability of thinking <laughs> yeah we'd never be able to prove it but you know it's that question that drives us neo you know it's maybe mm -hmm. like i said before maybe there, a question needs to be posed some astonishing thing needs to be put in there or something some loose end to keep the program running or something and we say program but man you know 
we could probably deconstruct half the words that are used in computer language and bring them right back to religion and spirituality, like script, you know, right off the bat. Mm -hmm. I was going to say too, even just like looking at a computer program, it all gets broken down into pixels. Like regular life gets broken down into atoms. So like, again, two different makeups to the same kind of a concept. Like people are looking at it again from a computer program, but it could be something completely organic all on its own where the pixels are actually the atoms. And right. like, talk about some crazy shit. What if they break it down all the way and they find the God particle ends up being square? Like that would just blow the lid off a bunch <laughs> of shit. <laughs> Hell yeah. I do. It's yeah, man. Um, what was, oh shit. I just lost it. That was great though. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes back to cubes too. I mean, like you look at a cross, it goes back to a cube. You hear about like, uh, in mythology, just different creatures being trapped in cubes. Uh, mm. you talk about like, uh, was it Metatron that oh, would yeah, fly around Metatrons. on a cube? Yeah. Like there's just all these things that go back to cubes. So just, I don't know, man, I feel like that'd be one of those things that it would get hidden if that came down to that, but it'd just be the craziest mind blowing fucking thing to me in the world. If everything broke down smaller than Adam into a small cube, yeah. just make all these other biblical connections make sense. Well, it's too, it's cool too. Like the Adam thing, I, you didn't mention it right off right out there, but I think you were kind of hinting around it, like in biblical you got the Adam who's the first man. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all the same language again, where we are the machines that civilization copies out here in the real world. Like the reason why we're able to make machines run is because from like a grander perspective, that's how everything runs. Like there's certain attributes to the way we live life that mimic what's naturally going on all the time in consciousness that's a broad way to put that but yeah for those who picked up on it you know (laughs) i was even going to say too i mean like if you make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy eventually they're going to start degraded degrading along the line yeah i mean maybe that's what's happening with people where they're talking about like men not having as much testosterone all that kind of shit is that we're like there was two originals and everything is a copy of a copy of a copy off that and maybe that's why people are degrading and maybe that's why time is speeding up is because this experiment to figure out consciousness theoretically could all be kind of getting to a point where everything's so washed out that it needs to come back full circle because we're just too far down the line now where we're a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, you know? And look at that. We mimic that out in our physical stone building as well. Cause how many times have we found older, more exquisite megalithic structures buried beneath megalithic structures that have been uncovered? It's like the further back you go, the more prestigious things become. And again, it's to that Egyptian book of the dead, that division of the one dividing outward, you degrade. uh, And then maybe the idea is to just get so far out there. Okay. All right. Now it's time to come back home. And like everything, you know, closes back in on itself and returns to the one or something. I don't know. That could be the giant yeah, that could be where the giant concept comes from, too. Maybe, like, right. at one point, everybody was a giant, and then the genetics just degraded, again, from a copy of a copy theory, and now yeah. we're just these small little people, and we're looking at that like it's something that doesn't exist, and maybe there's higher powers at be that <clears throat> know that those things exist, and that's why, like, the Smithsonian's tried so hard to hide all these giant skeletons, right. is, uh, because they, they know it. They maybe, like, you know, the Atlant- in Atlantis, they talk about the three halls of records, Maybe one's underneath the Sphinx's foot, maybe one's in the Vatican, and maybe the other one's been found, and maybe that's what all these elites have been running off this whole time is just knowing the knowledge of everything from the beginning of time. 
they're just trying to play the part now because they know how everything will work out. I think that's a lot closer to what's going on than reptilians from Alpha Draconis. Uh, and I know that that's going to spit in the face of a number of people that I truly care about and appreciate a lot of work out there. That's, that's kind of pointing at that angle. And I, again, would say that I think there's a lot of psyops going on in that area, especially when you find out the the root of what reptilian and, and the serpent and all that really is. It's like, Oh, this is, well, this is always used as a fear, fear tactic in modern times, you know? So. I got a quick little thing about reptilians that I was just thinking too. I usually like when I entertain the reptilian concept, I kind of go towards like possibly they're more like hollow earth type dwellers. Mm. If they are a thing that exists, that is because I know that there's two different ways of looking at it. It's either cold blooded people or an actual reptilian. But going off of what you said earlier about the sandbox concept where there's still like the old stuff at the bottom. Right. Um, if that whole theory goes in with the reptilians being from hollow earth, Maybe again, it was just some leftover remnants from, nope, I'm going to restart society and build up another one. Because like, <laughs> there's so many layers of things that it's just like, how much more land could have been on Earth at one point that would hide everything underneath these layers of things? Like, right. there, I feel like there might be a possibility of there being like another force that's making these things be buried farther and farther in. And again, yeah. that's where it goes into like the new patch concept. Like, maybe we're looking at the world from one standpoint, and as it's been upgraded, Maybe it's gotten bigger um, because, you know, you're hiding the shit underneath it and rebuilding mm. a new layer on top, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be that way. The growing earth theory is pretty interesting, which would also, oh man, I, I, I often play with the idea that we're kind of taking ancient ideas and putting them together where maybe they don't belong together in certain circumstances. I can't mm -hmm. give you an example off the top of my head, but you know, if the earth was growing, just say you have a bunch of shit in one area and then the earth grows over time, over like millennia, if people dig that shit up in two very different areas, it's gonna, it's gonna cause havoc. It's gonna be like, holy shit, this was like a worldwide culture. Or so, you know, looking I, at like the Egyptian stuff. I mean, they're finding like Egyptian stuff in the Grand Canyon. That was like one of the newest things. Like, yeah, maybe that there was a civilization that built in one area and then moved to a new area, and they built, started building there, and then another civilization moved into that old area and then took over that and said that they built it, and that's who we're looking at as like the Egyptians who built the pyramids. When realistically, it was never them in the first place. They're just people that walked up and took over the area. You know, right. Well, also, it's interesting, too, that if, if it was all so we have this old book called I think it's called like Mystic Masonry or something like that. And there's a part of the book they talk about Tartaria in it, but they also talk about and it's an old book from the turn of the 20th century. Uh, and it's um, they're talking about a time when the continents of Egypt and America were one and the same and that. We owe our debts of masonry and uh, something else, not to Egypt, but to America. It's really curious and very weird. But if we have a growing earth, maybe at one point, Egypt and America were the same place. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, even like going into the whole theory about just everything being connected, Maybe at one point, like when land masses were forming, maybe they were formed from like volcanoes, for example, mm. and they weren't solid land masses that were formed to the actual like planet, I guess you could say itself. It was more like 
floating on water kind of a concept, which is kind of pillars holding it up. And then maybe something huge hit it and that's what formed the Grand Canyon and everything split apart. And then within that area that was hit when it was livable again, people started living within the caves and all those different areas, you know, yeah. or maybe again, it was all just like life was all in one area. And then everybody started branching out as everybody had started viewing things differently, had different conflicts. So they all started off with the same culture and then spread into their own cultures. And maybe like the Egyptian culture stuff is so far back that that could have been one of the original cultures. And that's why you find little remnants of it throughout the world. Mm. And as things progressed, like maybe that's way farther in time than we ever imagined that it was. And everything built off of that from there. And that could be like the original people and the original life is all this like Egyptian stuff that again, we're looking at like the Egyptians, like they may have been the ones that do it, did it, but it could have been again, a totally different group of people. And they just adapted to the culture or they're part of that culture that split and kind of developed their own culture, or they kept their culture reasonably the same from the first culture mm. and just kind of followed through with it. And everybody kind of formed their own areas, you know, you're like, speaking my language. The other sure. one I always like to entertain too, is that like the whole desert around where the pyramids are could be fucking full of different cities all this kind of stuff oh, yeah. all buried underneath the sand that could have been like the cradle of life at one point you know absolutely yeah i mean this this reminds me of a lot of box saga stuff and i'm not sure how familiar or unfamiliar you are but i that... bought the book it's sitting on my oh, shelf right. That's i gotta right. finish I saw the that. book that i'm currently reading and then that's actually probably my next one on my list because i hear so many people talk about it i want to get on in that conversation hell yeah man we'd love to have you join it um but yeah this th- echoes oh go ahead I was going to say, I've had it explained to me briefly from Dan Anaki from uh, Rising, Rising yeah. from the Ashes. Yeah, yeah from my Rising from boy. the Ashes. That's so, right. like, I have a brief description. So if you talked about it, I'd have an idea, but yeah. I still got to like read it for myself, though. And everybody be sure to check out The Deep Chill only on Patreon through either Dan's or, or my Patreon that we dive real deep into. We're kind of using Box Saga as a foundation and just barreling through a lot of interesting reads and kind of going, well, huh, that's interesting that they do this and Box Saga talks about that too. And it's completely unrelated. Yeah, that we're trying to find more and more things like that. Because what you're talking about right now, uh, that we may have come from one place is what the Box Saga basically suggests. And we're talking about degradation. They have an excuse for that too. Whereas they had this very tightly knit society that procreated very specific ways uh, it had all these rules in place to continue this humanity. And after this major cataclysm that in the box saga is the cause of the earth tilting on its axis and causing all the ice age. Um, when that happens, this perfect society up in the very North uh, is cut off from the rest of the world. And so this main system is no longer carried on throughout the world. Um, and after all the ice melts, the story goes into the idea that these original people from the North finally aren't trapped in the ice anymore and they can come out and mingle with the rest of the world, which tell the giants, wasn't that the idea? That's that kind of sounds like it. It kind of sounds like the, um, the sons of God and the daughters of man story from the Bible often uh when you look at the box saga it's really about well a lot it's about a lot of things but this part of it is about these quote-unquote gods which just meant good good people 
um, were coming down and mixing with these other people that, you know, if you have a small group of people, these original people that are isolated, isolated in the north, in this big ring of ice because of the ice age, uh, only protected because for some reason the Gulf Stream supposedly kept that area unfrozen. So if they progress for thousands and thousands and whatever many years the ice age lasts as a society up there, they would advance while the rest of the northern hemisphere was suffering and pretty yeah, much just wandering around and having to restart everything. In a sense, yeah. You know? So if these quote unquote gods came out of the North, when the flood happens, when all the ice melts, then they would absolutely be gods. That makes sense. And if they mix with people that they were unfamiliar with for tens of thousands of years, then who knows what anomalies might come out of that, but also the degradation of that system originally. That fits in with the box saga, or not box saga, with the uh, Book of Enoch, I feel like, too. Oh, because yeah. if everybody was restarting things and they didn't understand things because they were just trying to live, uh, that's where it kind of goes into the concept of, like, you know, the fallen angels, not fallen angels at the time yet, but the ones that were teaching people how to make things out of, like, stone or out of uh, metals that were buried in the earth and how to make weapons and how to, like, kill and just stuff like that. Maybe, like, they're looking at those people like that was them. And they're also looking at them like they were the giants because, correct me if I'm wrong, there was this whole thing with the box saga about like people eating their own semen and that's how like they were creating like giants essentially. Um, but again, yeah, that, that, that could obviously be looked at as very blasphemous from like a religious standpoint. Oh, absolutely. So they were looking at that as like, uh, you know, like making an enemy out of them in a sense because they didn't understand their customs or where they were coming from. And then they tried to use like, the flood happening which however it happened i'm not sure there's a bunch of different theories about it as like oh that was god trying to kill those people when realistically right. it was just something that just happened to ironically happen at the same time maybe because right. the ice was starting to unthaw and that's why they were able to come down but that's also why a lot of water also came with them and yeah just they just use it as an excuse of like god hates these people so that's why the great floods happen and oh it absolutely into this whole biblical thing and then well, it still makes me question why they removed the book of Enoch, considering there's just so much questionable information in that. And it seems so prevalent. And it talks about like Enoch being able to become Metatron. Like there's just, there's so much in there. It doesn't make sense to me why anybody religious would take that out. Cause that's like the juicy stuff right there. Oh, like, it even explains like how the solar system works in the book right. of Enoch, which was way before we had an understanding of any of that shit. And they have a lot of things that are weirdly close to how, our understanding of the universe is and you know when you talk about box saga it's history if it's real then it's so old that all of our ancient societies that we talk about were using the symbolism probably very skewed uh uh morphed versions of the original systems in the culture, but they didn't understand any of it. Like when we look at, like you mentioned earlier that maybe there's a group of people that kind of knows how it all went down. And I think that's where the nefariousness is. They're not necessarily creating or doing anything, but there, there might be a group that's aware of how it all went down. So that's a great advantage to have. But it might beyond, be that villain story too, where they just like, they feel like people shouldn't know that because if they know everything, then people are 
going to go a little bit crazy. So maybe, yeah, they, maybe they view themselves as being like the good guy. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just no, no, no worries. No, that, that fits too. And it, it kind of ties into this idea of like the tree of knowledge, uh, at least on the side of history that would say that the serpent is evil and knowledge is bad. You know, when you learn everything, uh, love's not a part of that. Um, you know, experience, sure. But like knowledge, when you're pursuing knowledge, you can learn everything about the past. You can learn everything about the world. You can learn all these things. But if you're not enjoying your time. So I wonder if that's kind of part of it where it's like maybe the reason why you can look at the tree of knowledge and taking the fruit and becoming quote unquote, like God is that it's one hell of a burden that you didn't know you had to deal with. You know what I mean? But uh, back to, back to what we were saying before with the, the saga and everything. I think a lot of times we put blame and we think these groups are nefarious in certain ways with, when it comes to like symbols and stuff. And it's like, well, they don't even understand those symbols that they were using thousands of years ago. They gave their own meanings or it was a very, it was like a game of telephone away from the original meanings of everything. Like it could be even breadcrumbs too. It could, that's also that, a possibility. They're just that's like, they purposely too. place things because they want to see who is able to figure it out. And maybe you have to figure it out to be in that deep know what's understand what's actually happening. But I feel like when you get there, then you understand concepts that sound so crazy to normal people that you're looked at like you're completely fucking crazy and you could be dead ass on point with everything, you know? Yeah, the secret societies like at their core could be just desperately waiting for more friends to go, I know, right? Because like no one else gets it and you have to go through all these ridiculous pathways to really get there. Because you have to, again, fold back in on everything you believe previously over and over and over again. You even see it in the conspiracy community. Like I was saying, there's like different layers to the conspiracy community. Like oh, you yeah. think you're a conspiracy theorist and then you start listening to podcasts and you're like, whoa, this is a whole other method <laughs> I wasn't even thinking of. And then you become a podcaster and then you get this whole other entry level of like knowledge that, you know, you, you get to know about the shit people are about to talk about on their show before they even talk about it. And you get to dig into these concepts. So it's like a whole other Reich all on its own. Oh, and then yeah. there could be another layer like above us that has even more of an understanding. So it's like, well, yeah, man, it's, it's just in your normal life, you know, that perpetual awakening, right? Like how long ago did I start finding out about the JFK assassination, you know, but that's where people stop a lot of times. They're like, yeah, I know the government's corrupt. They killed JFK because of a B or C you know, which it's all like, well, all right, those are all symptoms as well. Those aren't reasons, you know, they, they're just, you're stuck in this little box where at that level, that's how corrupt the government is. Uh, they're all after money, right? That's a conspiracy level that exists. Of course, that's a, that's kind of like a minor league one. I feel like it's more past that. Yeah. It's about power, like with money sure. comes power. So the main idea that they're going for isn't money. It's the power that comes with it. And money is just a small aspect of that. And people look <laughs> yeah. at it as it's just the money, but they're it's going for tool. the power and it just happens to be that money's part of it. And then I think even if you can get real esoteric and we have, and we can, and like the psychedelic as aspects of reality and what these secret societies might really know about our experience here. I think even the power thing might be a psyop or it might be an illusion, or it could be a compartmentalization for those that are seeking it. You know, they're right over the ones seeking the money, you know, it's all compartmentalized to give incentive for the personality and what that personality needs. Right. And above all of it, 
who knows? That's the question mark. Cause we really don't know. You know, there's actually somebody sitting at the top. That's somebody that everybody looks up to and everybody else is just like a push away. So if they're like <laughs> following the government or following this and following that, when it's actually like the Dalai Lama, for example, like knows everything about the universe and it's actually like the main one playing all the parts or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Who knows where the rabbit trail leads? Uh, I, I wonder like the top guy would be somebody that everybody likes because that's yeah. how they would have to play that shit off. You know, they'd have to blend in with society. They're not just going to be some secret closed off guy in a room, like watching monitors. They're going to be somebody that's mending with everybody. And that's why they progress things because they see the world as it is and what they have a main point of what they're trying to do. You know, like yes. I feel like there's, there's a tip top somewhere and it has to be somebody that everybody knows because it wouldn't make sense any other way but it's somebody that everybody looks at like they're the best that they would never look at them in a negative way. Yeah. Like I look at Hollywood and all the weird dark shit that goes on uh, confirmed and not confirmed that all of it. And it's like, are they really doing this for fame and money? And it's not that I've experienced fame or money. So I know from what I hear, it's extremely intoxicating. It can completely change people, but I don't know. It, it does feel more than that. And if they're given some sort of false, weird, creepy hope about like gods and Moloch and this and that, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me for people to um, happily be a part of something evil. If they know something, you know what I mean? It feels like they would all have to be part of something that yeah, is secretly beneficial or something in like some way to everybody. I don't know. They see themselves as the good guys. Even if we're looking at them like the bad guys, they're like, no, I'm doing this for your own good kind of a concept. Or yeah. again, it could just be one of those things where maybe they have such an understanding of the universe that there's like, there's no sin. So they just do whatever the fuck they want. And they realize right. that there's not necessarily a good or a bad. It's like what we view as good and bad is what society views as good and bad. But inheritedly, like you look at nature, like it sounds fucked up, but like animals rape other animals and it's just part of nature. Like yeah. animals kill other animals and it's just part of nature and right. we're humans. So we have more of a consciousness that we know of than these other animals. So we view ourselves as being higher than them. So we have our own morals where maybe there's these higher levels that realize that maybe at the base, you know, we're all just animals or again, this could all just be like a game simulation where like, if you knew that, you know, like you're playing a video game, you wouldn't go around killing a bunch of people in your normal life. Right. If you knew you're in a video game, like you're just doing it for fun because you know that none of it really matters because you're inside of like a simulation i mean it could be the same thing right it's kind of like uh you can play you know doom or you can play pong and really it's the same thing like the you know the shotgun is shooting shells at demons or a little brick is just hitting a little ball across the field it's Mm -hmm. just this it's the same input obviously there's nuance to it but it's like you're at baseline, it must be the same uh, endorphin rush of some kind. Or even like GTA, connection contact. There's people that'll play the game like just for fun, playing it like, oh, I'm driving a car normal. I'm following the streetlights. I'm doing yeah. this. I'm doing that. And then there's the other people that are like, I'm playing GTA. I'm going to go and shoot this random person on the street and do this right. and do that. And they know they're just going to respawn again. Like, exactly. Same yeah. Kind of a concept, you know? And the, the, yeah, no, no sin. The the non-existence of sin is like it's such a hard topic to talk about with a wide range of people sometimes because I don't 
like, like I said before, there's these religious concepts that you could easily go, well, okay, that sounds like the Catholic church just programming people. But then it's like a lot of it does kind of like ring true at deep levels of consciousness. And maybe that's why they are using these concepts, you know? But so it could be washed out too, where there's like a lot of very good concepts in them. And they were hiding that within it, where maybe there's all these really good concepts that are hidden between all these religions. Yeah. But then there was just somebody that realized they could take power from within that. So then they started altering the religion down the line to fit their view. And it's so far gone now that it's like, you know, people wouldn't be able to go back and say this is where it went wrong because like mm. the stories have been slightly tweaked through time so many times that you don't know where the original base story actually is anymore. Got back to squaring the circle there, you know, that square, that cube, that straight line. You know, you ever see the movie Prometheus? Yeah, the, that actually, the, I was going to say with the create with uh, the engineers could be another yeah. rea- like idea of reality where if there was just like a consciousness, it could have split into all of our consciousness, you know? Right, right. And well, like Hathaway, Halloway, right before they decide where to land in Prometheus points and goes right there. God does not draw in straight lines. So he could kind of clearly see that must be some sort of old runway, you know, mm-hmm. and it that's what popped in my head when you originally brought up the square. And it's like, yeah, those straight lines, they're not natural. That it's that's like a very human concept, wouldn't you say? Mm hmm. And I wonder if that's some kind of key to what that's all about and why the cube is important versus, you know, squaring the circle, the Freemasonry saying it's like that is becoming God, isn't it? Or something like it. Or maybe that's the misinterpretation, but that's clearly what's what's being described there. You're taking something natural and doing your own thing over it. So that's it's in a way, if humans are natural and our natural urge is to alter things, isn't that natural all in its own way too? Or even that's, things that you're looking at as synthetic could be natural because humans naturally are intended to create and explore things. Yes, man. And this goes back to what level awake are you? Because like, you know, my wife is a vegetarian. She would call herself vegan last year, but things have kind of changed a little bit. And as her mind opens more and more and more, it's like, yeah, you can barely walk out your front door without contributing to killing tons of shit. And we're not even talking like physically putting your foot down, but we're also talking about like every part of society that you're willing to partake in, in some way is connected to all that bad shit that you're not eating meat because of granted. She does it mostly because she loves animals. So that's fine. But if she tries to go down the other route, she ends up running into dead ends because it's like, you can't escape it. It's all, it's everywhere. You see, know? it's like a human morality thing too, where it's like, we look at killing an animal as like a bad thing because we're consciousness enough to think of it that way. Right. But realistically, like that's just nature. Like it sounds kind of messed up, but that's why like alpha predators will only have one baby where things like rabbits will just have mass amounts of babies is because in a messed up way, they're naturally intended to be food. Right. So it's like people are naturally intended to eat other animals where we look at it as like a negative thing, but it's just something that's naturally intended to happen. And it's just trying to square that, the circle. Yeah. If, if, if you don't do that, then what's going to happen to those other animals? Like they're going to be overpopulated. Like it's needed. Right. Like people always have an issue with hunting and I always have to explain it to them that like, I don't see an issue with hunting because if you don't hunt deer, for example, then like, there's going to be so many of them during the winter. Like I'm from Michigan. So like they have a problem with too many deer oh, yeah. here, where it's like either one, you're going to see a bunch of half dead deer on the side of the road. They don't have enough food or two, we can hunt them. 
eat them as food, which we're naturally supposed to do, and make it so that the animals that are around can make it through the winter because there'll be more than enough food for them. Like it's a yeah. check and balance thing. Like it's needed. It's, it's all up as it sounds. Like death is just as needed as birth. Yeah, I, I'm a big Tool fan. I don't know if you are, but they have a secret track on their album Undertow where it's just this weird, creepy track. And Maynard keeps saying, life feeds on life, feeds on life. And it's so true. It's all a balancing act. And, you know, the conservation efforts across the world are not a group of hippies that don't like hunters. They're a group of intelligent people that understand how hunters are a part of this ecosystem and mm-hmm. how we save species of animals by certain hunting behaviors and everything. Like these are, I mean, of course, that's one of our many human debates that seemingly will never have a real solid answer to though, regardless of what I just said, Because then you have people arguing, well, in the Bible, it says you're supposed to eat meat. In the Bible, it says you don't eat meat. And we're always going back to these older stories. And, oh, well, we're finding out now that we're not even, we may not even have been omnivores. Originally, we were meant to actually just be, you know, vegetarians. And it's like, well, all these circumstances put together, it's very, it's, it once again forms this duality. And we're, keeping the conversation going the energy's going but we're not agreeing but it's like the goals being met energy and anyway because the actual goal isn't to agree it's to keep the conversation going keep the exploration happening and maybe that's the po- the problem with some of these real hot button issues that it's either one of the one side or the other is that there are no good answers there's bad answers on both sides and it's just keeping this good and bad situation going for whatever reason seems to be the most important thing to all of us at our very core. And maybe that's the reason why we're here just to keep it going. Honestly. Yeah. That's, it's just the continuous life cycle, man. And it's kind of what I was saying. Like everybody looks at time, like it's something that's like linear, but it's like, it may not be, you know, you just gotta not. <laughs> destroy in order to, in order to reproduce, you know, like you can't keep building, on lost foundations you need to uh sorry i have my dog was trying to slide up underneath me (laughs) but uh sorry i lost track of what i was saying with that but uh, you go ahead sorry i would say you uh you can't keep rebuilding on broken foundations you have to destroy in order to rebuild something new Mm. and if people keep seeing it as the latter like you're never going to be able to build into something new totally agree man Yeah, I think uh, in the same way that, you know, they say that you can't envision something new, you have your brain will put pieces together from previous experiences. So that tells me that, yeah, it's all there's a beginning and an end that in linear time, we're not really privy to at all. Uh, It's, it's a conundrum, it seems like a paradox, because in this place, it seemingly goes on forever. And we can't access it very easily, but maybe on the other side, you know, we're only living in pure consciousness and maybe we are forever. I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> we're going it. all over the place. Yeah. But that, Hey man, that's, that's like kind of fits the concept of your show too. The deep share. They yeah. just get into this weird, crazy deep conversation that all just started from just a simple little idea that we got into some crazy deep concepts that normally you wouldn't get to think about. It's like, brain exercise you know 
It's the best way to get to know somebody, you know, exactly. we'll, do, we'll do more episodes in the future and they'll be even better somehow, you know? Mm-hmm. See, now so now that we got like a feel for each other and the ideas that both of us like to share, I definitely think that we have a lot of awesome content to do in the future, man. Absolutely, man. This has been really great. I'm glad that we got to connect finally. I'm glad everybody got to hear this wonderful conversation and uh, anything we, should we wrap up with anything in particular or what do you um, think? Something I like to do on my show is usually some words of wisdom. Um, cool. I normally don't get to use words of wisdom, but maybe just a fun idea. Maybe we can both throw some words of wisdom towards the listeners. Hell yeah, man. You got anything right off the top of your head? Um, I'll let you go first if you want. <laughs> All right. Don't take yourself too seriously and don't trust everything you think. Always keep questioning because you're mostly wrong, <laughs> especially the things that you feel most passionate about. <laughs> say, my, my words of wisdom are actually pretty damn close to that is that if, you feel like you know something, restart and realize that you know nothing. Yeah, yeah. Start to try to disprove it. That's what I've been doing with Box Saga because there's aspects to it that are so undeniable and I just want to put holes in it if I can. That's why I want more people to look into it, you know? There's like I said, I'm definitely going to be reading that book and then I'll hop into the conversation with you guys. That's, that's my next one on my list. Absolutely, man. That's great. All right. So for anybody listening that didn't catch it in the beginning, Shane, please tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, inquiries of our reality. Um, I'm across all standard podcasting streams. So, you know, uh, I, or Apple, iTunes, whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, po- Apple podcast. That's, yeah. that's it. <laughs> and uh, Spotify, uh, Amazon, all the fun ones, podcast addict, all the random ones. Um, if you want to check out anything else, find my links. Uh, if you're listening to this on deep share side, if you know, you're already listening on my side, I'm sure you already know all this stuff. Uh, but I just put it all under one link to make it quick and easy. Uh, got my Instagram that I primarily use. If anybody's trying to contact me, I got a merch store, a uh, bunch of other random stuff, but uh, L I N K T R period E E slash inquiries of our reality podcast. And how about you, sir, for my listeners? Excellent. Yeah. You can find me at the deep share on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find the videos on YouTube and Odyssey and, uh, yeah, I'm on all the podcast apps. Please don't be shy. Reach out. Give me a new topic idea. I'm always looking for new ideas because I've been swimming in these waters for over 20 years and it starts to get repetitive after a while. And I always need some new exciting ideas to kind of make me start questioning shit. You know, I often tell my wife that throw something at me, throw anything at me, and then I'll start and I'll go ahead for like an hour, you know, but That's always new always material. Like. So there's uh, different like series. That's usually like where my spectrum is, is I like getting into like deep theories about existence and just different things. Same so here. Like somebody will throw some dumb little question at me and I'll tear it apart for months. Like I tell yeah. What is intelligence for like six months in my own head before I started my podcast? And I wish I would have had that whole progress within my podcast, but just like something small that you can tear apart into something super big and deep, you know? Hell yeah. My wife does it often because even though we're both, we both believe and feel the same way about a lot of things, she has different interests that from my perspective, I've already kind of seen as you know, psyops or, you know, something's going on there or whatever. So she's always like, well, if they're so bad, then why this or this, or if they're so good, then why this or that, you know, she'll pose questions like that to me and it'll just send me flying. Cause I'm like, that's a really good point. I don't mm-hmm. fucking know. And you know, you just start diving in. So yeah, please, everybody reach out to both of us. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll, you'll see us together soon again. 
drop some reviews and ratings too, because it's always appreciated or even more so tell a friend so that we get some more people that want to listen and get get in on our ideas. That's always another awesome thing that I forget to throw out there. It's just oh, tell your friends about our shows. It's just awesome. I'm terrible. It. I'm terrible at promotion. I hardly ever say anything. I'm like, all right, hi. And here's my guest. And <laughs> all right, I'm out of here. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, seriously, leave some reviews. Some of the reviews on, under my iTunes thing are fucking hilarious. And I just love, I love it. It's great. It's a beautiful thing. So please, uh, yeah, stay tuned for more awesome shit from both of us. And uh, talk to you later. Have a good night, everybody. Peace. Peace.